Hey everybody, my name is Alex. I'm coming at you straight from the perch and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, thanks to everybody who listened to my last episode, which was the return of the anti-capitalist Alex. Um, just generalized idea that I have in my head of like, hey, maybe giant companies eating each other isn't the way we get out of hell. Um, but never fear. If you if you like that if you like the content of that episode, I'm gonna be having another rant about that from a different from a usability and user experience direct direction. Um, because it's like it's just a little just a, just just made makes me want to punch babies sometimes when I use um things that are bad. Um. <laughs> So, look forward to that this Sunday. But this week, we will be talking about an older show. Some might say a classic. And that show is Hajime no Ippo. Now I'm gonna start this. Um, I'm gonna start my thoughts here with something a little bit different than I normally start with, and that is a little story. So, a couple weeks back, I went to a what what in my what in my town, um, they call, they were calling uh, the Friday Night Fights, and it was this event hosted by a local boxing club that was a bunch of like witnessed official boxing matches all up and down the weight class. So if you don't if you don't know the what the weight classes of boxing, the kind of typical weight classes of boxing are featherweight, middleweight, heavyweight. And those will come into those will be important in a bit. But there's also a whole system of developmental bouts and bouts between, um, at least in America, bouts between students at the same boxing gym, and it was it was a pretty good event. Like it was it was it was everything from really professional level level boxing to. Like I said, developmental bouts of like, you know, <laughs> we're going to tell these 10-year-old kids to breathe and to like bob and weave. But when they get into the ring, it's going to be this adorable like spinning arms cartoon scene almost. Which is, which, which is just, it's just adorable. And like, the sportsmanship and hurrah. And, and we'll get to... We'll, the last part of this, though, however, is they they had two awards. They had Boxer of the Night 
and match of the night. And the and what those meant were who was the best boxer technically and what was the best match to watch. And if you are thinking like Alex, those things should align pretty close to each other, shouldn't they? No. <laughs> and here's why. When um I was wa- and I'm telling all this for a reason, and when I get into how you made it proper, it'll make more sense. But when I was watching this, there was um a match between uh between uh this black kid and this other kid, and that was given best match of the night because it felt the most like what you expect to see in a boxing match. It felt like both sides were evenly matched and both sides were competing on a level playing field and it felt fair and it, it felt like you were watching a real boxing match. Whereas the um, fighter who got the best fighter of the night, I forget his name, um, wouldn't give it anyway because this was, it was, what happened was cruel. Was doing something was had very clearly managed his weight to such a point where he was in like the I think it was the 165 pound weight class. But if you know anything about weight classes for boxing, that's kind of where the competition starts. If if that makes any sense, and what I mean there is, is you can be 165 pounds and then you can be 165.9 pounds. Well, you're still technically in the same weight class as somebody who is flat 165 pounds, but you are significantly bigger. You are like literally an extra pound of, almost literally an extra pound of muscle, but not quite there. So they keep you at that weight class. And what that does is it just gives you more muscle to work with than other people in your weight class. And it, it that's, a, that's a competitive advantage that boxers mess with to be able to gain an advantage in the ring. And I'm, I'm totally serious here. And so what happened in this last match was exactly that. This guy was... There was one guy who was bit, like totally within the ra- realm of believably 165 pounds. And then there was another guy who was like the 165.9 pounds. And you could tell. Like you looked at his arms and they were tree stumps. It like it. And what preceded. The bell ringing on that match was this guy just wailed on the guy who was significantly smaller and won. So was he the better boxer? Absolutely. But he was doing something competitively with his weight that basically guaranteed he would win whoever against most people he went up against. And after watching that, I like had this like reinvigoration, and I say reinvigoration for a reason of, like, a love of watching men kick the shit out of each other in a ring. And so I went, and a friend of mine, um, Cosplay Fiend over on, over on Instagram, and more importantly, TikTok, had, had related to me, like, I went to go watch Hajime no Ippo, and, like, it's nowhere. And I remember at the time, I was like, yeah, you're right, it is nowhere. I can't think of a streaming channel it's on. Well, that has not changed. Hajime no Ippo, at least, I think, the first season, the first two seasons, is on, um, is all up dubbed on, um, subbed and dubbed, with the exception of the movie, um, is up on Retro Crush. And if you don't know what Retro Crush is, Retro Crush is a a free a free streaming service for retro anime that I will warn you is very heavily like heavier than YouTube even um ad support. Like you get like ad breaks that are five ads long kind of ad support. So as long as you're willing to like it to be like the old dirty days of TV 
you can go into this and you can like watch anything they got for free. They also have a great concept going for at least for their um for their streaming channel on the Apple TV, and that is you op- it opens up and it immediately starts playing a like curated TV channel in the top right corner, pretty big, and you can like maximize it and watch whatever's on there. But it it accomplishes this thing that so few of the streaming apps aside from Pluto, the place that it you that Retro Crush is using to curate that streaming TV TV channel, um, can do, and that is the kind of effortless just sit there and watch something. Like you can turn on Retro Crush, you can map you can um maximize the viewing screen for the TV channel. You can sit there and let it wash over you in the way that you used to let TV wash over you when you were a kid. There's no choices being made there. They're making the choices. They're putting it in front of you. And it could be like Record of Lotus War and then friggin' Cromorty High School and then um, an episode of Hajime no Ippo and God knows what else. Um, Zodiac Warriors or whatever. Um, and so it came to there because it, I believed it came out, it came out when I was in like college. So it was either super, it was like the early aughts that it was like a streaming, like an illegal streaming phenomenon situation. And I, I remember I used to make, I used to make myself tea and breakfast and sit down at my desk, and I used to watch Hachime no Ippo for like a half hour in the morning before I had to go to class um, in college. But, um... The other thing that, aside from... The, re- the reason why I say this to you is because it predates a very important turn in sports anime. And that very important turn I recognize in, and I'm sure it's earlier than this, but I recognize it most in, actually I'm sure it's like Izumo 11 is responsible for this, but I recognize it in Kuroko's basketball. So, before shows like Kuroko's basketball, like happened to the fandom, sports anime was about the sport and about the relationship of the competitors each each like arc or each episode or each grouping of episodes because it would take two or three episodes for you to like get through the whole thing. It wasn't like a lot of sports anime now in which they're couching a lot of it in the same language you'd couch like a Dragon Ball Z superpower. And I see Kuroko's basketball being responsible for that. Because you watch that show and part of what that show is giving you and it's easiest, it's easier because it's basketball and like basketball lends itself to this very well. It's like these teenagers have fucking superpowers in that show and it's wild. <laughs> but in Hajime no Ippo, as in many of its contemporaries of the time, they didn't have, they didn't use that kind of, um, formula for their shows and for their plot. The general formula as it goes literally every time, and this will sound boring, but I'll explain to you why it, why it isn't, is after you get past the, like, welcome to the world of boxing kid like arc, you you get into a pretty set rhythm of you meet you meet the opponent before the match, and sometimes but not always, Ipo meets actually usually always, um, Ipo meets the opponent before a match, and then you're given just enough of the opponent's like backstory in many cases. To humanize him, usually with a few interesting things here and there. And then the match happens. And then 
either Ipo, either the main character wins and that person like has to go on their way but has some sort of happy ending like like consolation thing that means their life doesn't end because they lost or Ipo or Ipo the main character loses and it's become the dynamic. It becomes a dynamic between two characters. Um, and there are some, like, kinks and changes. There's usually always, like, a definitive rival character that eventually the main character outstrips and then they move on to new rivals. And then there's, like, world championship stuff, especially in Ippo, in um, Hajime no Ippo. But that's the long and short of it. If you've ever watched, um... Well, uh, what's the what's the what's the volleyball anime? The one that's like my most popular podcast. Um, if you ever watched Haikyuu, and Haikyuu, and it seems odd to you that Haikyuu, like the one of the main stars of Haikyuu, is this really short kid. That's not uncommon in sports anime for like the character, the characters in question to be like, diminished in some way, either height-wise, or they look disadvantaged in some way, because a thing a lot of sports anime like to do is they use, is they use, like, non-traditional training montage, training regimen ideas to explain, like, why this person's so good at basketball, or why this person's so good at soccer, or something like that. In the case, I'll give you an example. In the case of Kuroko's basketball, the reason why um, Kuroko is so good at what he does is he views the act of passing in a kind of, in relation to a martial arts that his that his grandfather taught him, <laughs> and so like there's a one to one there, and it. It, a, that stuff does a good job of, like, recontextualizing the character and being, having more in their life than just a sport. Make, gives them more humanity. But also, it creates this kind of mysticism around that character. Like, oh, that, ca- that person's special because their, like, basketball skills come from something more than basketball, come from something deeper, like more traditional or whatever. Whereas in Ipo's case, he his mom owns a fishing boat rental company. And like the fishing boat rental company is their house that has a dock behind it that like he has been helping her since it, you you led to believe most of his life since he was a young kid, he's been helping his mother load the fishing boat. And when I say load the fishing boat, I mean his mom shows everybody to the boat and out comes Ippo with every piece of fishing equipment like piled on top of him like nobody's goddamn business. And the results becomes he has been doing this really unique, really difficult workout every morning at like five in the morning and that has turned him into this like small but like solid as steel like wall of muscle that is uniquely built in a way that gives him an advantage in a boxing ring if he if only he knew what boxing was and so that's where you start with that character and then you put him through a couple of that cycle of you meet opponent, you get more info on on the opponent, and then you face the opponent, and then you move on to the next opponent. It's really the kind of cycle. And but first you meet the the rival character, Miata. And in Miata's case, Miata is from like a boxing family, he's trying to prove himself. And um spoiler alert for Hajime no Ippo, by the way. You can literally go watch it all for free right now. 
Um, might take you a while because commercial breaks is nonsense, but you can. Um, but eventually Miata loses. And eventually the idea here, and the idea was lots of, especially sports anime, not so much sports media or storytelling around sports, but with sports anime is to give you the fantasy version of what the best scenario could be. It's not... Let me put it this way. You don't see something very often, and it's part of the reason why um, the second season of Megalobox, also a boxing anime, is so impactful. You don't see very often beyond the championship moment. Beyond the moment when the main character becomes the champion. You do in both Megalobox and in um, Hajime no Ippo. And I'll get to why you do it both in a second. But in large part, most, sh- most sports anime um, want to show you the full... Like the full glory of a of a career in that sport in some way. You see this in high school. You see this in um, Kuroko's no basketball. You see this in um, I believe you see this in in Harukata Receive, which is a volleyball, which is a beach volleyball anime. You see this in most sports anime, and that. That's sort of the purpose of being the fan, the fantasy that you that get the viewer hooked, and also it allows you to introduce sort of like a huge cast of side characters, a huge cast of ancillary opponents, and stuff like that. But in both Hajime no Ippo and um, Megalobox, which I've done a, um, I've done an episode on the first season. I have not covered the second season yet. Um, I've done an episode of, uh, about the first season that you can listen to in the feed. The reason why they... The thing that makes boxing a unique sport is it is incredibly dangerous in a way that isn't true of anything else out there. Because you are taking hard hits to the head nonstop as your career. And one of the things that Megalobox leans a lot more into because uh, that character, Joe, is taking even harder hits because he's taking hits from people who are using, like, exoskeleton arm things to assist their boxing skill when he's not. So, what... So that becomes a different thing. That become that becomes like a much more terrifying, like like big thing when he gets hit. But in even in Hajime no Ippo, like one of the one of the, it, when he first fights Miata seriously, and he's like, and Miata gets worried. Miata rings him like a bell <laughs> at one point. He like. And the show stops and explains, like, this is what happened. This is why Ippo buckled and can't get up off the floor. He will be fine this time. And eventually, Ippo gets, uh, like, a special technique. There's usually always, like, a learning of a special technique in these shows. Since these shows are also very rooted in shonen tropes. That's part of what makes them so exciting to watch. Um, Especially the boxing ones, actually. Um, but he eventually gets this, he, he eventually gets this thing that's based, this technique that's based on a real wrestler and it's called the Dempsey Roll. If you've, if you've heard of the Dempsey Roll in anime, you've probably seen this, you've probably looked it up and be like, holy shit! Sounds like a jet engine firing missiles into somebody's face. And that's basically what it is. 
It's wild. But that danger comes with this kind of responsibility to show the effects of being a champion boxer on that champion. So in like in both in most boxing anime, you see what happens after that person becomes a champion. In Hajime no Ippo, there's a whole arc where he's the world where he's like the a world a world class boxer, and he's got to keep defending his title constantly. <laughs> and like that comes with like people who cannot hold the candle to him, and also people who give him trouble. I when he faces them, but still lose because they're not as good because of like luck or they're not quite as good or something like that. And when he goes and finally wins the championship, you see the you by then you know a lot about I forget the um, original featherweight champion's name in Hajime no Ippo, but he's like a big scary thing. And um, the other thing that most sports shows do at some point, and this is very important because it. When you're watching these shows, part of the show's goal is to like be like, this is a fantasy. We want this character to feel powerful, to feel strong, to feel like like a big deal. But they also need to keep your they like need to keep them grounded on some level. So what ends up happening is they have to put them against a normal person later on down the line. And this happens in um, Kuroko's Basketball. This happens in um, Haikyuu. It happens in most sports shows. That they encounter a team who's like... Is the team of normal people versus this team of superpowered X-Men psychos and just like destroy them but in a way that's like the the opposing you know the the opponent or opponents have no idea what just happened they're like holy shit it's like we thought we were playing volleyball why did you fucking whip it out bicycle kicks and shit like at Rules? Oh, it's it, it's in the rules? Shit! We didn't even know. God damn it. And that, what that does, and what, what that does is it shows you the distance that, that, that those characters have come. Because usually you start these stories, especially in something like Hajime no Ippo, with a character who... Is probably very strong, but doesn't know how to use that strength and doesn't know what that strength means. So, in many in, in many cases, in terms of nostalgia, the beginning of these shows is in some way some of the best that the show will ever offer. You. Not just because of the three episode rule and like wanting to like put their best foot forward, but because it's the most exploratory the show in many cases will ever be and and this is true of most shows it and it's just the way that narratives in like the narrative work i the, let me put it this way the first time you see a Batman movie, the first time you see a Batman movie with any of the Batman rogues gallery in it, will be your first time being introduced to how did Catwoman happen? How did the Joker happen? How does how does the Riddler happen? But you will never get that feeling again because you will never 
experience those things for the first time again. You may, they may be different, but you'll always be like, and they're telling the origin, and this is a new origin for the for Catwoman. Check that box. This is also true of the like, definitely true of things like Spider Man. And if you've listened to Stanley on, if you've listened to anything that Stanley ever said in his life on X Men, the reason why one of the reasons why they came up with the X Men was because. There are only so many radioactive spiders you can get somebody bit with. There's only so much you can, like, spiral out from an original story, from an original, like, concept to get, like, spider ham. Like, at the point you get to, like, spider ham or Penny Parker, you have spiraled in, like, full madness in a way that makes very little sense. And... What Stan Lee said was, like, part of the reason why we came with the X-Men was because we, like, needed to not waste time on an origin story. We needed to just put it out there as, what if people were just born with superpowers? What if we didn't have to have this conversation of an origin story? Or what if the origin story was, like, so linked with the story of, like, becoming an adult that it doesn't play like an origin story. It plays like growing, like a you watching a character grow up. And that that inclination is that, that same like problem exists in most media. Once you watch like even, even the dumbest media, like the first episodes of any trashy CW rom-com drama teen thing are always the best, will always be the best episode because the characters will be the freshest, they will feel new, it will feel, it will have a unique feeling of its own in some way, hopefully, for just long enough for you to get, keep watching. But by like, the midpoint of season two, all of those characters just exist. And that's true of something like Hajime no Ippo, or Haikyuu, or Kuroko's Basketball, and that's something that all these shows suffer from. But what that also means is the first episodes of it, like the first maybe five to ten episodes of a sports anime, so much fun because generally speaking it's either like the person discovering the sport or finally getting into a sport they admire or something like that and it's this whole exploration of um of the sport where you would be main character becomes a point of view character and they're taking you through it and you're just as excited. Actually, hilariously, one of the best shows that does this the best is Keijo, Hip Whip Girl, the, like, the, the bathing suit pool boob and butt sumo match anime. That, at first glance, very much seems like it's Totally a gag meant on showing you some nice lady asses in some bathing suits. And it's totally that. But the way they do it, they do it so straight-faced that you can watch that thing as a normal sports anime. And it doesn't lose, and there's no value lost there. It's actually a good sports anime, too. Especially in the era of, like, Sports animated with superpowers. Because, <laughs> like, it... It does everything so straight-faced that, like, it's relying on you to bring the joke to it. Um, but... In the first episodes of Hajime no Ippo, um, Ippo's getting bullied at school by, like, some badass late 90s Japanese punks. And he encountered, um, I forget his name, 
Um, I think it's, um, it's like tower. It's not like ta- It's not tower up, but it's like some. It's like Tamora, I think. And Tamora is you find out kind of you finally find out pretty late into the first season. You find out that Tamora is like a once in a generation boxer in, at his weight class, and ultimately he becomes like the heavyweight champion of the world. I think. And he also serves in the show as like a look to the future of what Ifo could be in Ifo's weight class, which is featherweight, which is a people say some people would say a much more exciting weight class to be because you have like small people like freaking zooming around the ring kind of shit. And Tamora gives him a goal to reach, and Ipo reaches it. But, and this is key, and this is true in, this is true, this is a, this is a trope of shonen anime. It's that the, like, mentor character, um, and this is, um, actually, this is the story of the Rasengan. Um, in Naruto, when Jiraiya wants to teach Naruto the Rasengan. He shows it, shows him how to do it with one hand. He says, like, you have to do this with one hand. You have to pop the balloon with your chakra with one hand. And Naruto just can't do it. But Naruto uses a technique that only he can do because he's the only person who can, like, use shadow clones in the way he uses them because he uses them like he just makes copies of himself immediately and he uses two shadow clones to like swirl the chakra around in just the right way popping the balloon and there's some version of that in most shonen anime where the main character is learning something about how to do something in Hajime no Ippo, Tamora says, I want you to catch 10 leaves. Or the key thing that you kind of miss at the moment when Tamora shows him what to do is that he want, Tamora wants 10 leaves out of, in five in each hand. And Ippo's like, I have to catch 10 leaves with my hand. Okay, and proceed to do it in one hand. <laughs> Which is like doubling up on the work and shows the potential of the character in the same moment. And it's this fun little easy like test of perseverance, skill and ability that sets Ipo on the path. And they also have this great, um, this, the other thing that this show does that many shows don't do, that many sports shonen shows don't do, is that this show shows that like, Ipo's like, celebration of loving boxing is limited to the, to the weirdos who are boxers. Like, the people in his school, with the exception of, like, the high school bullies who are all in boxing because you get to punch people for a living, um, who used to pick on him, but as soon as they find out that he's a boxer, they're like, oh, A, we're sorry, please don't kill us, and B, you seem cool now. We don't know why. <laughs> um, buddies for life. Also. Um, but... When he, like, first wins his first match, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> like, nobody in his school gives a crap. Like, everybody's like, wait, you box? Really? You've got... Do you have proof? And he, like, shows them his license, and they're like, oh, I guess you do? Congratulations? Who gives a shit? And they walk off. And so... It, what this show does really well... Is it 
it frames everything so well. It frames the, like, fact that Ippo is fucking up his body constantly. <laughs> it frames Ippo's relationships with people really well. Like, um, the... There's a... I forget the character's name, but there's a recurring, um, antagonist character who eventually just kind of becomes a, like... He's just around. And that's because he's Ippo's first big, like, grudge match. But he's also the older brother of this girl, ultimately woman, who Ippo ends up, like, being in a romantic relationship with. Like, it's highly suggested that they fuck. And so you have this character who's who Ippo has beaten decisively, but who is still ter- a terrifying just like concept. Who is just around a lot. <laughs> it was just like, I really don't like the fact that you're going out with my with my little sister. I don't care if you're the same age. I don't care if you're the best dude in the world. Fuck you. And it it allows that character. To be around a lot more. And they figure out ways. To bring in. And this is true of a lot of. Sports anime especially now. Like now what they'll do is they'll. Find one team. They'll have like. A team that's competitive. With the main team or. A. um, An opponent who's competitive with the main character. And they'll. Either make that personality a central one, or they'll pack that, or they'll pack that one team with a bunch of spe- quote unquote specialist characters that will help the other team to advance. And in how do you know Epo? What they do is Epo as Epo takes on new challengers. Some of them leave, and some of them vanish, but some of them stick around and show up for other matches. Some of them offer Ippo, like, advice on stuff he could do better at some point. And some of them are full-on side characters, like Mr. Like Mr. Gaunt and Creepy, um, his, the love interest, older, bro- older brother. And if I had to... If I had to express... Uh, like desire out of not just Hajime no Ippo, although Hajime no Ippo is certainly the one I'm talking about here, but most sports anime, it's that lots of sports anime treat the love, treat characters' love lives the way characters' love lives get treated in Gundam. Like it's this incidental thing, and like you don't get the satisfaction of like seeing of seeing actual real progression in like a cu- in like a real coupling way in lots of cases. In Hajime no Ippo, the um I think with the exception of like an episode, the relationship between Hajime between Ippo and um the girl, I forget the girl's name, is pretty like it's pretty thin material. It's enough material material for you to know, like, hey, these two are, like, in love with each other and they're clearly dating, but you don't get to see it. And I know a lot of that is because they want to focus on the sports of it all and, like, Hadvino Epo goes at, like, this really big clip of, like, okay, we're done with this. As soon as we're done with the current opponent we start to hint at the next opponent. Um, and that's because they have, like, clear markers as to, like, what is, go- uh, is going to be a change in the series. And they also... They, they spend time, like, looking back at former opponents. And the last thing that they do that's really... that's really useful, that's really important to contextualize the main character much in the same way as, like, having the main character take an opponent on that's just not as good 
is they show you all the other people practicing this sport in the same, like, in the same gym. So you eventually get to see fights from Tamora or from these other different characters and, like, both in the crowd and competing and give those characters a chance to shine sometimes and sometimes even win sometimes lose but that gives you more of a like competitive feel than the like necessary plot driven fight where like Epo has to win or the story couldn't continue like there's more chapters in the manga of course he wins um but I just, I just really, like, I went to a boxing match. I was like, what's the best boxing anime I can watch? Oh, wait, Hajime no Ippo is here for me. Let's watch some Hajime no Ippo. Oops. I watched most of the first season. And I was like, I should really talk about this. I've seen this entire thing at least once, so. If you want to check out Hajime no Ippo, I encourage you to go do it. Like I said, it's on Retro Crush for free. It's a good goddamn time. There's lots of cool guitar solos in the soundtrack. It's very 90s tactic. <laughs> it's great. Um, But on that note, if you like this podcast, new episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday is more like this. It's more me talking about a specific show or property. Um, Sunday is more metatextual. Um, it's about fandom, it's about industry, it's about things I notice in anime, in general, all that stuff. So, until then, I have been Alex, I'm coming at you straight from the perch, and this has been Lunchbox Radio, and I will talk to you on Sunday.
風にぶつかりながらず